Man, so you're going to see 2021, you're going to see me knock off a big name. I think it's time, well, whether that be for the belt or not, I'm going to knock off a big name. I'm in a weird situation right now where I, I know Sergio deserves the next shot at uh, the Bellator, and he's my teammate. Sergio deserves the next shot at the Bantamweight draft, and I know he's going to, you know, uh, win that fight, you know, because he's he's trained like a madman, and he's a very good fighter and uh, very experienced. So. I'll probably knock off a name and then maybe knock off Juan Archuleta after he knocks him off. And then I'll be um, probably geared, geared to fight for a belt. Ladies and gentlemen, it's March Madness here on the podcast. MMA March Madness, that is. And I'm delighted today to bring you another conversation with one of the best bantamweight fighters on the planet, Raphael Stotts. This is an amazing conversation all down to how good and how great my guest was. I'm Darren Potts, I'm your host. Just before we get to the conversation with Rafion, please remember to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at The Pottscast. Also, if you missed any of the podcasts that I've already released this month, please go back and check them out. Reese McKee was released on March 1st. Reese had a four fight deal with the UFC. He fought two of those fights and he was released. We talk about the why behind his release. Why was he released? How does he feel? The obsession he has with fighting and how he's going to bounce back. Phenomenal guest, phenomenal chat, phenomenal story. Make sure you go back and listen to that one. And fighting tomorrow night in the UFC, it is Grant Dawson. He's unbeaten in the UFC. He's 4-0, 5-0 if you count the Contender Series as well. 16-1 professionally, 14 finishes in his 16 wins. Amazing record. That podcast is out. Have a listen to that before he fights tomorrow night. So make sure you check that one out before his fight tomorrow night. You'll really, really enjoy that conversation. Closing off the month, next week I have a bonus episode with Scotty Stockman. Scotty is a new recruit to Rufus Sport. He will be a training partner for Raphion. Really excited for you guys to hear his story and to see what he has come through to get to where he is now. Really, really cool story. And closing off the month, it is Smiling Sam Alvey. He knows if he loses in his next fight with the UFC, he's done. He's finished. He's actually dropping the middleweight, which is a massive amount of weight for him to drop so check that out as well but without further ado it's time to get to the one the only it's super Raphael Stotts that is it game set match and a tremendous win for Raphael Stotts he is definitely for real five four three two one Well, ladies and gentlemen, listeners, welcome to another episode as part of MMA March Madness here on the podcast. And I'm buzzing this morning because it's Super Bowl Sunday as we record this, but enough about Super Bowl. I have Raphael Superstots here, um, bantamweight title contender. He is itching, I am sure, to get that title shot. Uh, Raphael, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Glad to be here. Happy to be here. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Um, delighted to have you here. And what I like to do right at the very, very start is ask my guests about their life growing up. So from my right. research, you grew up in Texas. What was it like growing up in Texas? And um, what ended up drawing you towards the fight scene in general? Um, so I grew up in um, Houston, Texas. Um, I kind of grew up in like a rougher area. Houston um, grew up in uh, Section A housing. Uh, my mother moved us out of uh, Section 8 housing, trying to find like a better life for us. 
um, kind of on like a, a more, how we call it, like where more white people <laughs> are. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, like a better part, a better part of um, Houston, like a suburb of Houston. And um, from there, I started doing wrestling when I was in like the ninth grade. Uh, or no, I started when I was a junior in high school. I'm sorry. Uh, I was a junior in high school. And then um, that kind of, once I started, you know, I kind of took off with it right away. And, you know, it led to me going to college um, in Nebraska or in Kansas first. And then after that, I went uh, to college in Nebraska. And then, yeah, after, like right after I had won my uh, second national championship in wrestling, then I was um, I was introduced to fighting through uh, Jens Pover, who who's like the first UFC um, champion. So um, he was like showing me the ropes and um, and that's who who introduced me to MMA. That's how I got introduced to MMA. It's fascinating, and I'm thinking even just your high school bit. First of all, was obviously in high school the party start, the drinking starts, the chasing of women starts, all that kind of stuff all happens around high school. But yeah. was your was your wrestling, was your sports and athletic side, was that maybe keeping you away from that sort of stuff, keeping you safe? Or was there a change where you had to begin to focus on that in a more serious way? So what for me, um, what happened, like I said, my mom had moved me out there. My mom ended up like passing away. Um, she had uh, lung cancer and uh, or pneumonia in her lungs is what she or ultimately passed away from. But um she passed away and so then I uh I started like I started using wrestling as kind of like my outlet for anger like I was kind of mad you know what I mean at the world um I was kind of upset with with the situation so I use wrestling to kind of like funnel my my energy so uh pretty much they told me I could like I can slam kids and you know uh they be I'd be rewarded for it you know what I mean so that's kind of what I was doing I was kind of taking my my frustrations out in wrestling and um you know it felt good at the time and it felt like um i was doing something positive that was that was kind of uh you know um not not being destructive so you know i felt good about it also i did i stayed away from i didn't uh even i didn't drink or smoke uh till my like uh late or to my 20s like probably early uh probably when i was like 23 is when i or 20 22 is when I had my first drink and um and when I uh, probably smoked uh the first or took marijuana the first time was probably when I was like 24. So my mom um originally when she was when she was younger her mom had um problems uh she had problems with um crack or whatever and um so she was kind of a a, a drug addict and she was my mom had seen the uh, effects of that and she had told us like early on about it and you know how it kind of affected her life. And so me, I took, uh, after her, she, her pass, I kind of like made a, or before she passed, I kind of made a promise I would stay away from drugs. And then when she passed, I kind of took that um, upon myself to like say, hey, I'm not gonna do this out of respect uh, for my mom for the longest time, you know what I mean? So. Um, so that's what kept me kind of away. Like I was still party, but I, I just wouldn't drink. And I wasn't one who, uh, was like affected easily by peer pressure. You know what I mean? So, um, so wrestling and, you know, uh, my mom passing was probably a big motivator, uh, for me. 
Lots of fascinating insight there. And I sympathize obviously with your mom passing with cancer. I've lost loved ones myself with cancer. It's a horrible, horrible experience. Um, mm -hmm. But for you at that period of time, whenever you were starting to wrestle and things like that, did your mom support you in that decision-making at that time? And almost. Yeah. So when I first, when I, when I first started to wrestle, the coach had actually came to my house, uh, Travis Rabordi, my first wrestling coach. Um, he came to the house. It was like the, uh, the summer of my sophomore year to try to get to convince my mom to uh, let me wrestle. Uh, <laughs> so he came and he sat down in the living room with her and he talked to her about it and talked to, about the benefits and what he thought I could accomplish uh, with it. And, um, you know, so she, she supported it. She did, she uh, would like, I, I would be in sports already or whatever. So she didn't really know uh, what wrestling was, you know what I mean? But she, um, she saw the enthusiasm is in the coach. Um, and so she supported it. She never got to see me, um, wrestle, but, um, but she, she definitely supported. She gave, she gave, she said she'd pick me up from practices, uh, pretty much. So, um, you know, that was, that was good. And I know, so I know she supports it. That was enough for you. She'll pick you up for practices. That's her blessing. And you're just you're <laughs> yeah. just going at it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, yeah. Wrestling ended up taking you to college. And um, you're in college. And two NCAA wins. Two state championships. Talk to me about the level of competition in the NCAA. But talk to me how hard it was to win those. And how that transition. How difficult it was. Or maybe seamless it was depending on if it was easier for you or harder into mm -hmm. mma for you because that ncaa i think people just kind of see it and move on past it but that's an incredible achievement and there's a lot of gifted athletes th throughout that entire program yeah exactly and and you said it right you know it it was a, it took a lot of hard work and a lot of perseverance uh for me personally because i started as a junior in high school so um i started like late uh, as far as like when I started uh, wrestling, well, I started sophomore, sophomore summer year, but when I started like um, competing was like a uh, junior year in high school. So um, a, a lot of people, especially going to college, um, probably 80 to 90% of the um, people wrestling have been wrestling since they have been maybe four or five or, or middle school. So so I was starting at a disadvantage already. So I had to like really, really buckle down and kind of really like live, you know, and, and, and really try to not cut corners, but um, take take what I take everything I could learn from my coaches. And I was really blessed, actually, to have like really high level coaches um, early on. So I didn't have a lot of bad habits uh, that I had to break. So that helped as well. But but I really had to like uh, buckle down. I had to, you know, wrestle pretty much uh, year round um, through the summer, you know, off season. I'm training to get better, um, working with people that are a lot better than me. So um, that was probably the biggest struggle for me. I was trying to learn uh, the sport while competing at a high level um, while I was in college, you know, whereas a lot of the um, wrestlers that had a lot of the wrestlers, uh, my colleagues or wrestlers I was wrestling against have been wrestling for so long. They had the game, they had they, their game figured out, you know, and I'm still trying to figure out my, I was athletically gifted and um, I picked up things really fast. Um, but I, I attribute most of it toward um, me just like really, really buckling down and kind of learning and 
and and realizing that I, I don't know everything, but I'm, I'm trying to get better. And I think that's what helped me uh, progress um, the same way in MMA, you know, um, starting as a beginner, having that beginner or white belt uh, mindset, you know, and everything, you know, I don't know everything. There's always something I can be getting better at. Um, I feel like that's that's helped me go a long way with this MMA. Specifically, when you were younger then and you started wrestling in a, sort of a, a junior level in high school and then transitioning into college level, obviously the guys you were competing with and guys you're competing against have been doing this for maybe a longer period of time, as you, as you mentioned. Would there, would there be a thirst in you because you started it a bit later to prove yourself to these guys that you were as good, that you were better? And did that motivate you at all? Or what was your motivation to succeed? Um, my mom was a big part of my motivation. Um, the other thing, yeah, um, not as much uh, because they they had wrestled longer than me, but uh, however this may sound, I I heard like people say stuff like like chocolate melt, like black people aren't supposed to be wrestling, like they get tired fast, you know, they're gonna come out hard and they're gonna wilt away by the end of the uh, what's the name. So that was one thing that personally I felt like motivated me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like you think because I'm black that I'm not gonna be as, uh, I'm not gonna have the endurance or I'm not gonna have the, uh, you know, uh, stamina to, to to keep up with uh, you guys. And I'm, I'm just a muscle or I'm just kind of an athlete. You know what I mean? So that was that was like a little bit, like I, that was added fuel or a little bit to my motivation. But motivate most of my motivation came from like me wanting to like impress my mom, you know, me thinking she's watching somewhere and um, I want to impress her. I want to, I want to do good. Yeah. hundred percent. I think that's really, really key is that, that person, that personal factor in there. And during mm-hmm. your period of time wrestling, um, did you have a good support system in and around you, whether it be friends, family, and, and who was that? Yeah, I had, so I had the, um, one of my, one of my closest friends, uh, Jack's shoulders. He was also the team captain of my wrestling team. His parents uh, were, were big supporters of mine. My aunt and uncle, um, uh, they took me in. I actually, like, while when I was starting wrestling, because I had, uh, my mom passed away, um, we pretty much had to move in with my aunt. And so I had to commute. Um, well, from my aunt house, it would be about um, like 45 minutes to the school. So I had to commute to the school. Um, sometimes I would like sleep, um, you know, uh, until the rest, I would sleep at the school until the rest of the uh, room would open up. Um, and then I also stayed with like, I had I had, I had a good amount of family that, that helped me out, um, you know, uh, to get, to get me to a position where um, I could get to college. And then once I got to college, I had a good uh, support system of uh, Zach soldiers and um, my family back home um, that, to help me out. And was the, then the transition from NCAA state title winning to MMA, was that difficult for you or was that a very straightforward path? And you mentioned there the legend of the UFC that kind of helped you out in that. What was that conversation like? Was there much convincing on his part or was it very much like, no, this is the next logical path for me? Was it was WWE in the hindsight or was it straight up just MMA? Yeah. So um, close or kind of after I finished um, the national title. So um, in my mind, I was still getting better. And um, I was thinking I would make and I knew that I would have an opportunity to wrestle for the Olympics um, because I had won um, nationals. I got a uh, kind of a free trip 
to the Olympic Training Center if I wanted to. Um, so that was kind of uh, what, what I was thinking was my next step. I was going to go the Olympic route and um, uh, wrestle overseas and um, kind of uh, climb the, the world ladder. Um, but then um, some of my teammates, uh, TJ Hepburn, Josh Smith, they started fighting and um, then I was around it, you know, and then Jens Pover came in and he started a gym while I was still like assistant coaching at the college I went to just to finish up some, some college courses. So he was starting a gym and he asked me because he knew TJ and Josh, he asked me to help just with a wrestling class. So could I come in and, and teach wrestling a couple times a week or something? And I was like, yeah. And so then he convinced me to like start doing a BJJ class. Like, oh, just stay for this BJJ class or stay for this boxing class or go come do this boxing class with me. Um, and yeah, so he convinced me to, to, to do the classes. And then eventually he convinced me like, well, you've done all these classes. You might as well fight. You know what I mean? And so I was like, yeah, all right. You know what? I, I'll do that. I can fight. I'll, I'll try it out. And um, yeah, about it was it took me a while to get my first fight. So I would I probably trained for about six months. Um, but because of the wrestling, like people would see that I uh, wrestled before at a high level and they um, kind of wouldn't want <laughs> no parts of me. So but then when I got my first fight, I felt like um, all the training and stuff that I had learned, you know, from Jens Pover, just, it was, it just, it's like butter. I, I felt like, you know, I felt right at home as soon as I got to fighting. Talk to me about the training because you've been a wrestler since, you know, high school, all through college, won titles. You then go in and start doing MMA um, level of training. Was it different? What was different about it? You know, you obviously wrestling, you training specific things, but in terms of the cardiovascular aspect, in terms of, of the endurance aspect and, and even building muscle and stuff like that and cutting weight and all that stuff. How different is that an MMA? How more, is it more difficult? Is it not more difficult? What was that transition like for you? So my, I feel like um, what I brought to MMA or my MMA training was like the work ethic of, of wrestlers because wrestlers, wrestlers have a tremendous work ethic. You know, I feel like uh, their work up ethic is uh, probably beaten by nobody. Um, so I brought that over to my MMA and my MMA career starting out was a lot like my wrestling career starting out. I was, I was having to learn a lot of different things, which that part of it like excites me. I like, you know, learning different techniques, you know, di learning different ways to hurt people. Um, like that's fun. That's fun to learn. You know what I mean? And that was one of the other reasons I chose MMA because I felt like there's so much, there's so much for me to learn. Um, wrestling, not to say I learned, I knew everything or I know everything, but I had gotten to where I was like only using a couple of, um, techniques that I felt like were, were very successful for me. So, um, MMA was like exciting in that aspect. So I, I brought that also that, that mindset of, okay, I, I'm going to bring this work ethic, um, paired with this ability to try to learn everything I can or, or try to absorb, like my goal when I first started MMA was to be a gym rat. Like I wanted to be in the gym, like people, I wanted people to get tired of seeing me in the gym all the time. You know what I mean? So I felt like uh, that just made, you know, the fighting part fun and it made the fighting part not, not as, uh, not as a, not as big of a step. So yeah, I feel like my, uh, the wrestling definitely 
uh, helped. It helped my my work ethic and then the mindset of, you know, trying to to learn every day um, coupled with coupled with the 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 trainers or the the teacher, the coaches I had. Um, it, it's made MMA a lot easier um, as we're going forward, um, like as I'm starting to like kind of come into my own and starting to like, um, you know, be a Bellator contender. Um, you know, I feel like now I got to keep that same kind of uh, hunger to to improve. Um, you know, I feel like I, I know a lot now, but as long as I keep that hunger to try to improve and try to progress and be better every day, uh, you know, I'm going to be hard to stop. What's your training regiment like now? Because you said at the start, you were like, you wanted to be a gym rat. You wanted to be in there nonstop. What's it like for you now? You're a professional fighter now, and we'll go on to moving from amateur to professional in the next question. But what's your training regiment like now? Are you there every day? Are you doing something every day? Or do you have days off? And what's that difference between you now, um, pre-camp or pre-fight, versus what you have to go through when you're in a camp with an actual fight looming? Yeah, so when I have a my, – my every day – um, yeah, I'm, I'm getting better every day. So I'm, I'm at the gym every day. Like, well, I'm at Rufus sport, um, six days a week. Um, like today, um, I'll go to Askren's wrestling Academy and I'll coach, um, some, I'll coach some wrestling and coach some kids and wrestle around with some kids. So I'm still, I'm still like training, but I'm like, like actively recovering on Sundays. Um, so Mondays, so yeah. So Monday morning I wake up, um, we have practice from like 12 o'clock to three o'clock. So um, I wake up, make breakfast and stuff for my son, hang out with my son until uh, 12 o'clock. And then I go to practice from 12 to three. And then after that practice, um, I'll come home and get some eat or get something to eat. And then I'll go out and then I'll practice again from like six to eight. And this is, that's just like out of camp. So if I was, if I was in camp, then like after that practice from 12 to three, I either go on a run or jump rope or do some type of cardio or, you know, uh, hit the bag or something. Um, then Tuesday, Thursdays, it's pretty much the same, same thing. So I'm training from like 12 to three, then six to eight. And then in the middle of that, uh, I'll do uh, some type of cardio um, two to three times a week, uh, depending on where I'm at at the camp, in the camp. And um, yeah, but it's the same thing. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm always learning and I'm always like kept on my, kept on my toes by my training partners. Um, but that's usually what my training, training schedule looks like, uh, out of fight camp. So, or in fight camp or out of fight camp, I'm still training from like 12 to three, but, um, like I'll still train every day, but I won't go, um, twice a day or I won't do like the extra cardio stuff. Um, I won't do that stuff until like I have a fight, but I'm, I'm still like getting better. I'm still working on new skills. You know what I mean? And still, you know, being, being, working on being comfortable, you know, in a, in a fight, but I, I, I don't have to get like dialed in and like really push myself, uh, push myself to the limit until fight, fight camp comes. I don't want to burn myself out. There's a, a theme that I've noticed from you um, throughout this chat already. And you've mentioned quite a lot about, you're always wanting to learn. You're always wanting to progress and get better. Is that the motivation for you to, to do those double training sessions in a fight yeah. camp? Um, 
of where does the belt, where does the title, where does being the champion rank in terms of your motivation? Um, uh, I feel like if, if, like you said, if I, if I'm steadily progressing, like that stuff is, that stuff will come. Um, if you, I mean, my record record now is like 15 and one, like, uh, it seems like an amass or a, a big, big number or a big, feel like a, a really, really good record, but it happened, um, because I was like progressing after each, each fight, you know what I mean? So I took, took each fight for what it was worth. You know what I mean? Whether I, the, the one that I lost, you know what I'm saying? I took everything I could from that. But I also, I come at it from a, a standpoint of I'm only going to be in this game for a certain amount of time. And, I, you know, I got to get the most out of it while I can. You know what I mean? So every, I feel like missed practices are like missed opportunities. You know what I mean? It's, that's, and it's not only like one opportunities. We, we have hundreds of reps that we could be hidden, you know, um, in a practice. So, so I missed if I miss a practice, I'm missing out on a hundred opportunities of getting better. So, you know, I take it very serious. Um, I take, take progressing and, and getting better very serious because, you know, um, and, and that's why I feel like when I, when I go to a fight, I feel like I'm comfortable because, because I know I've prepared the best that I, I, I could prepare myself for a lot of different situations. You know what I mean? So by the time, by the time I'm offered a title, um, I know that I'm the best version of myself, you know? 100%. I think that's key is that constant progression. And it's the, the theme that I've noticed throughout our conversation so far. You, t- you mentioned in, in that last answer about the loss. And it brings me to a question I love to ask elite athletes. Mm-hmm. When things get hard, when there's a loss, when you can't be bothered getting out of bed that morning, when, every, when things are a struggle, how do you get over that hurdle to get back at it and get going again? Um. So for me, um, I, uh, Anthony Pettis, one of my teammates told, gave me a quote that I felt like really stuck with me. And it was, um, never believe how good people say you are and never believe how bad people say you are. Um, because at the end of the day, it's like we said, it's about our, our progression. You know what I mean? Like if I do something great, somebody, somebody out there is going to say I'm the best ever. You know what I mean? That, that same person if I do something uh terrible you know they're gonna say I'm the worst you know um so you can't let that like people's praises or uh negative negative comments you can't let that motivate you what what you gotta motivate what what should motivate you is is your like or uh the work that you can you look yourself in the mirror and be proud of what what you're trying to do you know what I mean so um that's even like after a loss, you know, I can't, I can't be mad at myself for losing or I can't be mad at myself for trying because I know I put my best foot forward. I did everything I thought that I knew at the time was the right thing. You know what I mean? So, um, so I can't, I can't really be mad at myself for trying, you know what I mean? I can be mad at myself if I have that, um, I, I have that opportunity. I, I lost. And then I don't learn from it. You know what I mean? I don't progress from there. You know what I mean? Um, from where we at. So like, we can't, we can't, uh, we can't decide like the cards we're given, but we can dis- decide, you know, what we do with the cards. You know what I mean? We can, at that point, uh, I can like, after a loss, I can, I can decide to be better or be the same. You know what I mean? So that's, that's kind of how I get up. And I also started, um, 
I started doing um, self-affirmations. I recently started that since uh, the pandemic stuff, actually, uh, because I couldn't train as much as I wanted to. Um, so I was like sitting around the house, you know, I was, I was, I was working out in my basement a lot or whatever, but I wanted to like add something. So I started like watching a lot of fights and uh, started like training my mind mentally um, for fighting. And what uh, my, 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 my mantra is um, I'm confident and fearless in all that I do. Um, I dominate, excite, and finish fights. So uh, what that means to me is um, I'm going to put my best foot forward, you know, no matter what the situation is, no matter if I'm tired that day, no matter if I my stomach don't feel good or I'm hurt, you know what I mean? I'm confident and fearless, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to go out and do it, you know, because that's what I do. So, yeah. I think that's the mindset needed to succeed. And it brings me to two questions for you is – the first one, you're going through the amateur ranks and then you go pro. Was that always the goal? Um, was that expected? Was that call to go pro expected? And secondly, that mindset that you have, was that something that you've obviously, you've, you talked about during COVID there, that you've started mentally affirming who you are and what you can do. Has that mental mindset changed and grown? And have you learned as you have went in terms of the mentality or have you always believed, you know, I am good, I'm good at this and, um, I know I can succeed, et cetera. Yeah. As far as the, the training, I feel like everybody should train not for, uh, or I guess for sports, but, um, or for anything you do, um, I, people should train for what they want. So you should, we shouldn't train for like the next fight. And that's, that's kind of what, um, Duke Rufus actually has instilled in us. Um, he has a high, he has a high expectation of all of us. And that's because, he expects all of us to be training like we're world champions. You know what I mean? Um, you should be training to be world champions. You shouldn't be, I shouldn't be training for an amateur fight. I should be training to eventually be a, um, a world champion. I might be at the amateur level, but I'm training and I'm preparing for the next level. You know what I mean? Um, I think that's, uh, that's maybe where a lot of people kind of, uh, uh, kind of let themselves down or, or don't don't go to their full potential because they're kind of preparing they're preparing for what they're what's right in front of them you know what I mean um yeah I should always in the in the back of my mind when I was when I was training I was always training for the best the best possible you know what I mean um it's on the other person to present that you know in front of me but I'm always going to be training to beat world champions. I'm always going to be training to be a world champion. And then the other question about um, my, the, the mindset, my mindset, like I've always like kind of um, done the, uh, the mantra. Like I would, I, there was in college, I would do, I would make my password uh, something that had to do with me being a national champion. So I would always like type it in or I would, eight, but it was, I was doing it kind of sub, sub, subconsciously so i just recently started doing it um like intentionally intentionally changing my mindset um that's literally like during covid like this last year has been when i when i changed that and i actually learned it from my teammate sergio pettis um he he uh he posted something about his daily affirmations and i asked him about it and um yeah and that's who inspired me you talked about rufus sport you've talked about Anthony Pettis talked about Sergio Pettis. Tell me about Rufus Sport. Tell me about your team. Tell me about those guys, your friends, Anthony, Sergio, the friendship, the bond, the camaraderie you guys have, the, 
the fact that I believe I can tell by the way you're talking, you guys are pushing each other to be the best. And that's the expectation of the coach at Rufus Sports. So give me some insight into everything that goes on there, your friendships, your relationships and the atmosphere at Rufus Sport. Yeah, I can't I can't thank the people at Rufus Sport or my friends and my family at Rufus Sport enough for my mindset, my my uh, career, my um, my everything uh, to do with fighting, because um, it, it is it's everybody there um, holding each other accountable. You know what I mean? And um, whether it's and whether it's our coaches on um, uh, re- returning your jab or, or little stuff like like where your mindset should be. Um, I can't thank them enough and I'm, I'm happy to be here because there's so many like-minded um, people and, and that's the product of Duke Rufus uh, mainly. And also, you know, Anthony Pettis, uh, Tyron Woodley, you know, these guys, you, you kind of see proof in the pudding, you know, you, you see, you see these things happen for these guys and, and you can also, I can also have like real conversations about to them about like what should I expect or or what should should I my mindset be what mistakes have you made that I uh should do better uh if you were in my situation or if you you know what I mean because they've been there before so that that type of intangible stuff is I feel like priceless you know what I mean and um like everybody everybody you know um like talks about or or wants to know about or what's fame like or what's the you know the lights on the UFC is like, but nobody talks about like, okay, so when when you did things wrong, what you know, what what would you do? What would you do differently? What could I do better to to navigate navigate those situations and and have a better outcome? So those those things are and and everybody at Rufus Ward is super you know genuine about you know high tide raises all ships. So we're all in here to get each other better. You know the better we we make our training partners, the better training partners there are for us. Um, and that's something Duke Rufus is like really good at, because if you look at Duke Rufus's um, camp, a lot of the guys are homegrown. Like when I say 80 to 90% of guys are homegrown. So he's trained them up from amateur to, uh, it's not a lot of people like coming in, like people come in or whatever, but his, his, um, his core group of guys are guys that are like, he's brought up, He's literally brought Sergio and Anthony up since they were kids. They were like 18 and 19. So, um, yeah. So, so his, his, his methods are proven and his, I feel like his expectations, his expectations are, you know, it could, it could discourage a lot of people, but like, if you are, you have the same high expectations, he's going to hold you to them. So I think it's, it's priceless, the priceless, the, uh, the, uh, the friendships and the, you know, the camaraderie that we have at Rufus Sport. And because we're not a, we're not a big team, you know what I mean? Um, people think like Rufus Sport is this huge, um, huge team. We have a lot of, a lot of, or we have a, a core group of guys. We probably got like, what, 12, 12, 12 core guys, maybe even less than that, maybe like six core guys. But um, everybody there is, not they're not like the army they're like the marines everybody is very hit skilled very um you know high quality high high intelligent or highly intelligent and um you know very very good training partners and very good fighters you know what i mean so and i think that's that's uh because of duke rufus and because of you know the teammates i have at rufus sport 
sounds like the atmosphere it's real it's raw it's inspiring it's motivating it pushes you to succeed it challenges you daily it motivates you and one another key theme that you've we've talked about a lot in this podcast has been mentality and mindset and from your perspective as a fighter physically you have to be in shape and that's a given but what how important is the mental state in the in the connection with fighting because sometimes it's like he's a great puncher he's a great wrestler he's a great whatever and physically they look a million dollars but maybe mentally there's something off how important is the mentality aspect to being not only just being a fighter but being a successful fighter being an engaged fighter a fighter that wants to learn and develop um the mentality i want to say is i mean it's you can make an argument that it's it's way more important than um the physicality you know what i mean because um without without the right mindset like no you couldn't you can't use any of the uh the 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 physical attributes that you have you know what i mean so uh mindset is majority of i feel like everyone's problem you know especially when it comes to fighting because fighting is against our human nature or the things that we do right in fighting or we're supposed to do in fighting is like against your human nature like if you see a punch coming at you human nature tells you human nature tells you to flee you know what I mean? Whereas in some situation, it's better to like uh, like engage or attack the attack with a parry or with a block or uh, with a slip. You know what I mean? So um, my, your mindset is is very key. And that's something that that Duke Rufus is very high on and very uh, adamant about um, your mindset within a fight. You know what I mean? Because um, also uh, other fighters or you know, athletes, they, they key on that. They, uh, you can tell when a fighter like wants to be in there and fight you. And, um, and, and if he's, even if he's showing like subconsciously, uh, that he doesn't want to be in there, you know, those things become evident really fast. And this is a dangerous place to, uh, you know, let people see kind of your weakness. So, um, mindset is, is the uttermost, utmost importance, uh, to me, especially, um, I feel like your mindset, it, it could take you, it could take you to the top where it could drag you to the bottom. You know what I mean? So, um, I definitely believe mindset is, is very important. Well, I think that's so evident coming from this conversation, especially even if we touch on the COVID situation of what you began to do in terms of affirm affirmation during the COVID period of where lockdowns and gyms were closed and just to touch on that maybe a bit briefly because I want to get into a bit more about your fighting stuff but how how did you deal with COVID how was it for you and your family and um are, are you glad to be sort of I know we're sort of coming out the other side right now and um what's what's changed for you what stayed the same and uh, tell me just a little bit about how you handled the COVID situation so the COVID for us um I mean, we're introverted people. So at first it was like, oh yeah, we're cool. You know, we just like hang out at the house or whatever. Um, and then, um, or during the quarantine. So when we were quarantined, it wasn't wasn't that big of a deal uh, for us to like be in the house. Uh, my, my wife likes to go out more than I do probably. So I just sat at home and played Fortnite pretty much and annoyed her. Um, but, um, um, but I would also like make time make time for training because this is, you know, what I do. So I, I make time, I set up, I invested in, um, you know, heavy bags and, and mats to, um, to, to train at home, you know, while I could, uh, cause we didn't know uh, what was going to happen. And then we actually got 
um, we got COVID. I think, um, ah, I want to say it was, it was before my last fight. We got COVID. Like we had, we had avoided it for the longest because they had opened up our, they opened up our gym like a little bit before the fight um, came about. So then we were able to go back to the gym, you know, with a smaller group and we were able to train, but then, um, after, after my fight with Cass Bell, um, we got COVID, which it wasn't bad for me. Um, I had, I was like sick for like three days where I had, where I said sick. I mean, like I had a fever and, um, I had a, a fever for like three days and then, uh, my, my sore, my throat was sore and I was achy for like a day. And then after that, I was just for like a, a week, a week and a half, like the top of my breath, like it was, um, like I was running at stairs, like when I breathe like really deep, but then, um, I want to say I had it for like a week and then I was, I was able to train like, uh, probably like kind of after that, like after that first week, um, where my breath was still kind of, uh, yeah, uh, hard at the top, but, but I could still train. I could do something, you know what I mean? So, um, it wasn't as bad. My wife lost her taste and her smell. Uh, and she had more, she had more headaches and stuff. Um, and my kid just, I feel like he had it for like, uh, 30 minutes and was <laughs> running around and was, you know, acting crazy. But, um, so it didn't hit us um, too bad. Um, my wife also, she teaches students. So she had to do a lot of stuff from home. And I think that's a little tougher. Um, for me though, it, 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 I feel like I, I grew a lot um, as, as a fighter just because I, I had to grow in other ways other than, you know, training. And so I could focus on things that I wasn't really focusing on while I was training. Cause I was so, you know, um, I was so worried about kind of being in shape, being uh, mentally or being like uh, reaction time, being ready, kind of like a bunch of physical things, like learning what the the right move was, you know what I mean? So I think that was, for me, I feel like it was, it was a good reset and uh, refocus on, you know, things that I hadn't been focusing on before. So um, overall, I feel like uh, for me, the the pandemic the pandemic situation wasn't wasn't terrible we didn't spend as much money eating out we stayed home more um we got a lot more quality time than i feel like we've gotten in the past because we're always ripping and running so you know it's and it's also i know it's tougher you know for some people you know what i mean so i almost like feel bad saying oh yeah the I mean, we didn't have any uh, huge deaths, you know, in the family. So it wasn't too bad. That's well, good to hear. You know, normally when you speak to someone about the pandemic, the COVID situation, it is very doom and gloom. But what I did take from your response is you were able to spend quality time with your family and your young son, which is obviously awesome as a father. Yeah. And secondly, you were able to, you, you made some changes, you adapted some things. Um, especially that mindset and that verbal affirmation of who you are and where you want to be. And I think that's so, so key. And what I, what I want to touch on now is your last fight in Bellator. You mm -hmm. you fought Keith Lee. Keith Lee was mm -hmm. four fights in a row before he fought you. 
You are now, after that fight, seven wins in a row, 15 and one. Talk to me about fighting professionally at Bellator during COVID. Tell me a little bit about that fight. What's it like with and without the crowd, the differences, the changes? Chat to me a little bit about um, that last fight. So that last fight was pretty, I mean, I like the the Bellator bubble or the the Bellator sphere, what it, fight sphere is that what they were calling it. Um, because it almost seems like less that you have to do because there's no um, crowds as as far as um, as far as the fight week. So the fight week, we're pretty much quarantined in our room, you know, by ourselves. Um, so, like, you can't go out and do something where where before I feel like w- when you're at new places, you kind of feel this urge to like, oh, I'm at a new place. I want to waste this opportunity. Let me go, you know, find a uh, neat shop to eat at or, you know, see what's the, uh, the thing to do, you know, in town, you know, to, or the thing to see. So um, I felt like it, it it helped me focus, focus more, you know, on fighting and relax and focus on like actively recovering. You know what I mean? Um, so I like that part of it. I also like that everything was like right there inside the Mohegan Sun, inside that arena, you know, where we didn't have to like go out and go find a sauna somewhere or go find a treadmill um, to run at or, or go, you know, find food somewhere, you know what I mean? So everything was like right there, which was convenient for me. And then as far as the fight, the fight I feel like was, was ran really smooth and, and everything, everybody, you know, kept really, every, everything was kept really clean. And, and they had like a, a good system of you wouldn't go in the same place twice. And, you know, you just keep it moving um, in this like circle. So you would, you would start in your little fight locker room. Then after you, um, they would call you out and then you'd go to like a, um, a fighter holding area. And then you go to do the fight. And as far as the fight, I felt like the fight felt close enough to me to when the the crowd is there because the lights and the way they dim the uh, arena, I, I usually don't really see faces or see people in the crowd. Um, but that just, I felt like was the same for me. You know what I mean? Um, Cause I'm usually, I'm pretty focused on the fight and the individual that I don't really notice. I don't really notice the crowd. Um, when I do notice the crowd is like after I'm done fighting, after I'm um, out of focus or after I'm, you know, I've, I'm relaxed a little more. So afterwards, I could definitely tell like, oh, yeah, it ain't nobody here. I'm <laughs> I'm out here screaming <laughs> to myself. You know what I mean? Um, as far as my fight with Keith Lee, I felt like um, I was I was doing good. You know, I feel like uh, I was able to show a lot of my striking, which a lot of people think, you know, I'm I'm just a wrestler which, um, yeah, so I was able to, you know, show that, that um, I'm, I'm really good at striking too. And, and I've been coached really well um, and I can put, put it all together really well. So um, yeah, so that was, that was good too, to, to have somebody, you know, defend the takedown. So I had to like uh, strike more or uh, find different ways to control him. And um, yeah, so and I felt like Keith Lee did a good job. You know, um, I, I have a lot of respect for Keith Lee. He fought um, a good fight and, um, you know, he was tough and he, he threw some good shots at me. Uh, and we both had a good fight, good showing. I feel like both of us grew uh, from that fight. And then so after the fight, 
you go to um, this area where there's like media done and uh, you have a little, a couple interviews. And then after that, you get your check and then you, you split <laughs> and they say, don't come back. It kind of, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so yeah, we were, what was the first thing? Yeah. Uh, the, the whole thing I feel like is ran really smooth and it just feels like efficient. You know what I mean? Well, credit where credit's due. It's, it sounds very efficient, very well run, very well organized, which is key. And mm-hmm. especially for us as well during this COVID period of time for, for fans like myself, it's it's brilliant to see that these companies, you know, Bellator, UFC, LFA, these companies are still putting product out for us to be able to consume and watch. And during this time when we have lockdowns as well, it's, it's really, really good to see. And uh, what I want to touch on now is just some like, general questions before we move to the fan submitted questions and what I sometimes describe as the fun stuff because you get weird random and unique questions coming in but <laughs> but so I think you're going to enjoy that bit but for 2021 Raphael starts what can we expect to see from you in 2021 man so you're gonna see 2021 you're gonna see me knock off a big name um I think it's time and um well, whether that be for the belt or not, I'm going to knock off a, um, a big name and then I'll either. So I'm in a weird situation right now where I, I know Sergio deserves the next shot at uh, the Bellator and he's my teammate. Sergio uh, deserves the next shot at the um, Bantamweight uh, strap. And I know he's going to, you know, uh, win that fight, you know, because he's he's trained like a madman. And he's very good fighter and uh, very experienced. Um, so I'll probably knock out, knock off a name and then maybe knock off, uh, Juan Archuleta after he knocks him off. And then I'll be, um, probably geared to, um, geared to fight for a belt. Um, at least by 2020 or the end of the year, the end of the year or 2020 or 2022. Yeah. Um, if it happens before that, you know, I'm, I'm all for that. Um, you know, I don't want to fight my, my my teammate, Sergio Pettis. The only way I would fight him, um, if it was, like, for a belt, if it was, like, you know, um, like, change my family's uh, situation. But um, other than that, you know, I'm going to try to knock off as many big names as I can this year. The interesting thing is always the Sergio question. Um, when you have mm-hmm. two elite quality fighters going for the same yeah. prize, that question is always bound to, bound to appear. If Sergio yeah. does win that belt, would you ever be tempted to either move down and wait, up and wait, something like that to avoid that fight? Or would it just be if it comes and the numbers are right and things all line up, it just has to be what it has to be? Yeah, I think it has to be what it has to be because also at our, um, at, if I move up and wait, we got Emmanuel Sanchez. He's in the, uh, <laughs> he's in the Bantamweight or the, the Featherweight tournament. You know what I mean? So he's going to be fighting. I'm guaranteed, I'm, pretty sure he's gonna be fighting for the um featherweight belt you know and he'll have the featherweight belt Sergio will have the uh bantamweight belt there's no 25 so it's really nowhere for me to go <laughs> so I'm either gonna have to fight um uh, my teammates or um you know move up to 55 or something but um yeah like I said I I our team is small so like these guys are like literally my brothers. Like, it's not like, Oh yeah, I see him in the gym training. Like, no, like every, every fight, you know, that 
we're useful for each other, we're we're using each other. And even when we're not, we're we're all we're they were the only ones there, you know. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so we're always training together. So I don't want to fight these guys. Um, you know, they're my brothers, but um, but if if the case or if there's no other option, you know what I mean, and you know, they they gotta pay us well to um, you know, fight my brother. So I, I would do that. Um what else, what else I was gonna say? Oh, also, um, what is oh, I forgot? Never mind. Yeah, I've been hitting the head too many times. I forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> but yeah, so I fight, I fight, um, I fight them. Oh, I, that's what I was gonna say. Um, and but also I don't know like the rules uh, because like Sergio's been training at Rufus Sport for all his life. I've mm-hmm. been at Rufus Sport for my whole career. Yeah. Like. Like I would want to train at Rufus Sport if I fight. <laughs> like so, we just train together and then go out there and let it all let the tips land where they may. You know what I mean? So yeah. we'll yeah. see. That's certainly an interesting dynamic to the the yeah. division. Um, another question here, and um, that I have for you before we get to the fad submitted ones is. Um, your support system now, you know, we've talked about the gym and we talked about the brotherhood and the camaraderie and everything that goes on there, but how important is, is your family life to you, your wife, your son, what, how key, how vital is that in not only your career, but your life in general as well? Yeah, I feel like it's, uh, it's really important to me. You know what I mean? My family, even like growing up, my mom and my brothers, I feel like we're really close and, um, you know, we, we laugh and cry and, and argue together. You know what I mean? So that's like something that's really important to me. It's really important to me for me to be my son's life and, um, you know, um, have an impact on how he is, um, how he grows up and how he uh, contributes to the society. You know what I mean? So I want him to be a good person. I want him to know that, you know, his his dad is always behind him and always, you know, looking out for him no matter what. So um, me being me being here with my wife and with him, you know, that's that's I mean, that's where I spend most most of my time outside the gym. You know, when I can, I'm I'm here, you know, hanging out with these guys. And, you know, I love these guys. So, yeah, yeah. clearly, clearly evident, you know, even on your social media, you can see that the family man is there. And I think it's, it's brilliant to see from, from a fighter, from, you know, people that follow you from fans to be able to see, you know, even people can aspire to that. I think, you know, that sort of family life and fighting life. I think, I think it's really, really cool. Um, Another thing I want to ask about you is you're a man of faith and how important is faith in your life? Yeah. So I've, um, since I've been, since I've been the small child my mom was uh really she was a a youth pastor actually um so and i've i've actually like uh i've what you call it preached a a couple sermons like as a youth uh youth minister um you know so religion has really been a a big part of my life you know what i mean um i've kind of i was like an avid church goer like i had to go church every sunday but um you know with um kind of everything going on uh, with me and moving and uh, being away from family, I kind of got away from that, but I'm still, uh, I'm still a believer in Jesus Christ and I'm still, you know, um, uh, talking to people about him. Um, I'm just not as, I'm not as uh, active in, in a, in a church, you know what I mean? Anytime I go home, you know, I'm, you know, I make a stop to my, my home church, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that's something I would like to, kind of 
find time for, you know what I mean? Um, as my son gets older, cause I feel like that's, um, a lot of, of my upbringing. I feel like it helped, uh, me a lot, uh, make, make some of the right decisions I made. So, you know, it's, it's, it's religion is something that's important to me. Yeah. And you talked about your son and, and maybe getting him, you know, more involved in, as you try to get back to the church and whatnot like that. But a, lo- a question I love asking people is if you could go back in time and speak to an 18 year old version of yourself, what one piece of advice would you give him? Man, uh, <laughs> let's see. I would probably tell him, Oh, I know. I tell him, I tell him, uh, listen, man, don't blow this loan money and credit card money on strippers, man. That- <laughs> <laughs> No, I was like when I grew up, I I didn't have any financial literacy at all. And I was like a young person that had been given, you know, a scholarship. And then uh, I took like student loan money just because, you know what I mean? Uh, when people gave me credit card, I I didn't really have anybody like I had elders, but I didn't have anybody that I would like ask questions. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have like a parent that would tell me. Like, hey, don't <laughs> don't do this for this. You know what I mean? Nobody was like really governing me, so I would take like uh like I get credit cards in the mail, and I would freaking go and take my friends out, take them to uh Old Navy, or take them, you know what I'm saying, somewhere to to get some clothes. Or we go, I find out I have more money on my uh student uh or my scholarships, which mean I took out more money for student loans, and I would go to the strip club. You know what I mean? So just being more financially literate <laughs> uh that's what i would tell 18 year old me i'll edit that bit out so if the wife listens she doesn't hear but um that's a really <laughs> good answer <laughs> no she knows i told her because <laughs> we was dealing with we was when she came into this relationship she was dealing with my cre- uh, credit problems uh when we first started talking so so now we're good <laughs> there was a time where she was like what happened? Why you got these bills coming that you don't pay? <laughs> hey, that's strip club. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so that's another thing I try so to do. I try to be as transparent as I can. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. um, I was not the, um, I wasn't, I wasn't always a family man. You know what I mean? I wasn't, mm-hmm. um, um, I was like out there. I was out there. Yeah. I was a single young man. I was like, I didn't want relationships for the longest time, um, you know, but then I found somebody that I, you know, I cared about and, and uh, that stuff got kind of old to me. So, um, you know, I'm here now, you know, I'm not perfect, but you know, I'm pretty transparent about, you know, my life. Yeah, no, it's awesome to see. And even this entire conversation, it's been really, really interesting for me because you've been so open and so honest. And sometimes I maybe chat to different people and they maybe hold a little bit back. I don't want to put that out there and stuff like that. But this has been really, really cool. And this is where I think it gets to the really fun bit, especially for... For, for, for you because these are just random questions <laughs> that people have submitted and sometimes they're a bit weird they're a bit random but I think they're fun yeah um, like and some of them are quite serious as well of course but the first one that came up is about your cheat meals and about your eating and do you have a favorite go-to place right. and if you and if you win a fight do you go straight to McDonald's that was the first one that came up <laughs> okay so my cheat meal I like so I like Mexican food usually um uh, that's like my cheat meals like during camp um, because I feel like 
the 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 worst part about them are, are the cheese. I feel like uh, for Mexican food. So I I like really like uh, Mexican food. We actually had like Mexican food during our wedding. Um, but my go to meal like after a fight is jambalaya. Um, you know I love uh, like rice and I also love uh, Thai food. But I love uh, like Southern style uh, rice and and the sausage and the seasoning Creole seasoning and stuff. So that's that's usually my my go-to meal after uh, a fight. I try to somewhere along the line, I find me my way to some jambalaya somewhere. But during the fight camp, I'm usually doing like tacos or um, you know, uh, like burritos. You know, something that's where it could be like semi-healthy. You know what I mean? Would you would you walk around? A little bit heavier than where you should be fighting so the weight cut isn't that tough what would you sort of walk around that weight wise yeah i usually walk around so when i'm in so right now i'm probably around like 58 uh and then like once i get into fight camp where i'm training um more consistently i'm at um around like 53 or something like walking around and then you know as the fight you know gets closer the the lower i get and um i've also been doing like the water cut here lately so um it, it falls off me i mean i've never i've always been like pretty my weight cuts have never been like rough you know what i mean because i feel like i'm in shape enough to where like i'm or i'm usually i'm usually on point with everything and i also got i keep everything like written down so it's never like a guessing game for me i'm um i'm i'm pretty I've been I've been cutting weight now for a while, so I, I'm pretty uh, what do you call that uh, anal about you know where my weight is. Mm-hmm. Another fun question: uh, If you had to fight in another country, what country would you pick, and what opponent would you pick? Oh, another country! I would fight in freaking Africa because I want to go to Africa. Um, I've never been. My dad is from uh, Nigeria. So I would fight in Africa. That would be um, that'd be a cool experience for me. The opponent, uh, I don't know. I don't know uh, who over there in Africa. Uh, oh, oh, there's a uh, what's the one dude? Oh, I forgot his name. He's James Gallagher's teammate, I think. Though, I think he's he's got African descent. Um, but yeah. Or James Gallagher. I fight James Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> James Gallagher in Africa. Here we go. Yeah, I'll bring him on to Africa. Ale, Bumbaye, Gallagher, Bumbaye. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've been to Africa five times. Um, done a bit you of work done a bit of work out in Kenya. Um, beautiful, oh, yeah? beautiful country. Done a bit of like football or soccer out there and um, coaching yeah. the kids and stuff. Wonderful, wonderful people. And I'm, you'll enjoy it wherever you go. Um, cool. so just keep keep it in mind get there get to see in the place it's beautiful country beautiful people um another question here for you um any advice to any young person that wants to enter the fight world what would you what would mm-hmm. you tell them consistent be consistent be consistent um if you're gonna do something do something like every day to be better at that you know what i mean um that's especially if you're young, you know, um, even if you're young, you, you only got a, a, it's a limited amount of time. You can do anything athletically. So be consistent. Don't waste your time. Another one is I'm assuming this is someone who you've either played against at Fortnite or knows you that plays Fortnite oh, because man. they've, they've asked about your favorite all time game. Yeah. You already know it's Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely, definitely Fortnite. Fortnite. 
or Fortnite or uh uh Super Smash Brothers. Super Mario Super Smash Brothers, that was that was uh you know big influence in my life. Super Smash Brothers. You should actually connect with UFC fighter uh, Smiling Sam Alvey. He plays he, Super Smash with his kids and he says like, no one can beat him at it. So he's not <laughs> someone you should connect with. I will. I'll hit him up. Yeah, I'll play Super Smash. That's, I might be, Mario all day. Yeah, you might be about 50 pounds apart weight class, but you can fight each other at Super yeah, Smash Brothers. Cool. We can do it all day. All day, every day. For sure. Another one quite similar to the advice to a young person. This one is, I'm going to be a young parent. I'm going to be a parent. Um, mm-hmm. I want to get my kid involved in some form of MMA. Would you recommend putting them in MMA or recommend putting them into a specific type of fighting? I would uh, recommend jujitsu. Um, I feel like jujitsu or um, wrestling, I just don't, I don't agree with, um, you know, having, having kids learning how to like, uh, punching things um, as early, like, depends on, like, how early, like, if they're, like, like, four or five, um, I don't, I don't recommend, like, anything where they're, where they're, you know, like, hitting each other, um, just because, you know, I don't want to, like, um, I don't want to cause problems anywhere else, but I feel like jujitsu um, is a, is a, is a martial arts that teaches, like, self-control, self-discipline, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, with the right jujitsu instructor, I feel like jujitsu uh, would be the way way to go. I also don't really believe in um, like having the kids compete so early. Um, I feel like uh, early on, it should be about uh, building a foundation and um, kind of building body awareness and, and basic skills. I don't think uh, you need to uh, build a competitive competitiveness in um the the child like and i'm I'm talking like four and five and six you know i don't believe they need to um compete if if that's something they want to do because i also feel like i see a lot of um people getting burnt out unless the kid is like like really adamant about competing um like i might let them compete but i i don't like want to push a kid into competing but yeah jujitsu Mm-hmm. good answer good answer i try i'm a i'm a soccer player i can run 90 minutes no problem i went to a jujitsu class with a friend and it destroyed me uh, <laughs> and, that, and that was the beginner class and yeah I, and i'm pr- i'm a pretty fit person in terms of cardio like i could go yeah, and run no different. issue yeah it's i different. was i was a broken man after that <laughs> class <laughs> for uh, sure uh, well, i know that me. feeling i know and, that uh, feeling another one here favorite fighter for you to watch Oh, definitely Mighty Mouse. Mighty Mouse is definitely my favorite fighter. Mm-hmm. Would that be, uh, I like asking this question, book your own fantasy fight, you versus anyone. Would that be a fantasy fight if, if oh, it's yeah, a video a, game you'd pick? That's a fantasy fight for sure. That would be yeah. like a surreal thing, um, me fighting uh, Mighty Mouse. You know, I respect him a lot. You know, I haven't, like, yeah, that's the probably the fighter I respect the most. Um in mixed martial arts so yeah that'd be surreal that'd be surreal another one question here for you and i like i really like this question in your in your team in your group of, of friends at the gym is there a joker of the pack is there a class clown who is it and tell us a story oh man we got a lot of jokers in our gym uh 
Man, let's see. Uh, Brandon Allen uh, is probably he's probably the the uh, uh, the one who talks the shit the most. You know, he's got like chicken chicken legs, like uh, noodle legs. Uh, call them like little chopstick legs. But he 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 probably talks the most shit out of everybody <laughs> in the gym. Uh, he also got like a chin the size of Buzz Lightyear. Uh, but yeah, he's he's probably the one who talks the most. He actually moved actually to. Uh, to Sanford MMA now um, to have some some bigger training partners, but um, no, I I just and the reason he came up is because he messaged me just like last night and was like talking crap, <laughs> just to talk crap. <laughs> like, hey, what's up? How you doing, little legs? What's what, what you doing? You're like, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> and last question I have for you, and this one: Do you have a favorite fight? of your career so far and if so which one is it um i feel like uh it would either be the uh my rob emerson fight um or the fight against uh levi miles um the rob emerson fight i feel like um it was my first fight that uh i i I had like a, a true test of somebody who was like tested been at ufc he was like the double champ you know so like it was a fight where I was the underdog or I felt like, um, you know, I had more to prove or I had somebody that felt like they were like better than me. And then in the Levi miles fight, I liked that fight because I pretty much had to like adjust. Um, I had a game plan and it didn't kind of work. I, I didn't get sat down, but I got like, like rocked a couple times and I came back and, you know, um, I shook it off and, and adjusted it and, and, and finish strong. So, yeah, those would be it. Rafael is wearing a T-shirt with it has the Askren Wrestling Academy on it. He is going to do some wrestling teaching this afternoon, some wrestling school with some kids, I believe. Rafael, on that one, Askren Wrestling, have to throw it in there. I told you that that was the last question. It isn't. This is going to be the last question. Yeah, no worries. Is boxing fight? What's happening at his boxing fight? Who have you got? I got Askren all day. I got Askren. I'm trying to get on the uh, undercard. No, I think Askren. <laughs> I think Askren. People don't give him enough credit for how smart he is um, and how real he is. Uh, so I feel like uh, he's very. He's even if you look throughout his career, you know what I mean. He was very good at not getting hit. He was very good at um, getting to what he he wanted to get to you know he was successful at at doing what he wanted to do and nobody could really <laughs> stop him you know what i mean so um i feel like he's gonna come up with a, a good game plan i know the game plan i ain't gonna get a game plan, but, uh, <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna have a good game plan and um he's gonna do what he needs he's gonna be efficient with his training and and do what he needs to to get the win interested to see that fight i'm not usually a big fan of like the youtuber style fights but i like ben asker yeah. always have so i'm gonna tune in for that one nice it's it's super bowl sunday this was rafian super Starts. thank you for coming on the podcast today i've had a great time yeah no problem me too man that was fun thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast i'm darren potts i was your host i hope you enjoyed it rafian starts what a phenomenal guest what a phenomenal story Really, really hope that you enjoyed that chat today and really excited to see where Raphael goes in 2021. Just a reminder, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at The Podcast. 
love to hear any feedback that you guys have really appreciate you guys taking the time out to listen to the show once again thank you so much and we'll see you next time